Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding. This is a podcast by birders, for birders, of any level or any wildlife enthusiast. We have lots of adventures and we want to share them with you. I'm Eric and she's Hannah. And we decided to start this podcast and bring it to you all so we could share our adventures with you and also talk about our thoughts that we have on other random birding topics. So just a couple of things we want to cover. We're not experts at all about anything. And if we discuss anything that's controversial, just please keep an open mind and also remember that what we discuss are our own opinions. And please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. That's how we get more listeners and build a wider audience and share some of these different things with everybody. So thank you guys so much and enjoy listening. So Hannah, this week uh, we've got a few like local things in the birding news, right? Yeah, so we're based out of Cannon Beach, Oregon, which is on the west coast, about hour and a half west of Portland, Oregon. And there has been a bit of a controversy this last couple uh, days about a dusky thrush, which could be would be the first Oregon sighting of that bird and also the second US sighting or North American I think it's second North American if, yeah. if I was reading it properly properly so a pretty rare bird yeah so the the individual that found it um, he wanted to remain private didn't uh, he, he reported it through the proper channels to the um, Oregon bird review committee mm-hmm. as Records as, committee. Records committee. As, as far as I can tell, I'm kind of reading the random emails and the listserv emails. And there's been a lot of opinions and controversy going on on Facebook and on mm-hmm. the Oregon Birders Online listserv. So we get like bits and pieces of it as well as interject our own thoughts. Yeah. No, nobody's getting the full full story on it anyways. It's it's all secondhand from emails here and there. But but he, he, he found this, uh, this particular bird, took a couple photos... Got uh got the records committee involved and then um, so they could verify so they it. could verify it and he he wanted to, he kind of wanted to keep it to himself because he's a private person which is completely fair private totally property his, uh, yeah completely his call oh yeah absolutely yeah I mean I wouldn't want something crazy happening and having well if a you million... didn't want it to yeah I mean I I don't know if I'd want a million birders looking in my back window while I'm trying to take a nap or something <laughs> I mean then I'd have to like put on a shirt when I like walk around the house or something. I wish you would wear one anyways. <laughs> But anyways, um, the so he he didn't he didn't report uh, didn't didn't report it to the wider general um, birding community until after um, it was I think it was ten days after he last sighted it. Yeah, so the bird had been being seen pretty regularly for like twelve days, I want to so, say something like that. Yeah, and throughout this neighborhood, so it was it initially found in his backyard, mm-hmm. but then it was moving throughout the neighborhood with a flock of robins. So it, you know, it would move from place to place in public areas. And, um, after, so it'd been seen pretty regularly. And then after, I think it was March 8th, it hadn't been seen again. And so then 10 days later, that was when the reporting was announced to the wider birding audience. Yeah. So some, some people took like extreme offense to him not reporting it. Some people, there is people on every side of this, this I'm kind little, of schism. I know I'm a little frustrated because some people said that they had seen it and they got the word about it, but then, you know, they didn't tell anybody else, which I, I would have liked to see it. And, yeah, it would have been nice to see. You know, we are an hour and a half um, west of its location, and so we're not normally going to go drive through some neighborhood looking for robins <laughs> just on the off chance that we might see something rare. It, it's kind of an effort for us to, to go see that sort of thing. So I if it had been there, if we had known it was there, we would have taken a special trip to come see it. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think we probably would have taken a special trip. But I also like I I agree. It's a little it's a little frustrating. But also, like it's his prerogative to keep to himself, yeah. and that's that's completely fine. I mean, it's it's not it's not like a right as being a birder to you're you're allowed to just go and see whatever you want to see just because you want to see it. That's true. But I also I, I didn't like the the wording I guess that he used in the email when he announced it. it. Kind of as a favor to everyone, I'll let anyone else come and see it. But it was kind of like too late after the fact. Yeah. Yeah, but... I don't know. I, mean, I think if you don't want someone to come see it, keep it to yourself. If you want someone to come see it, tell people. Oh, I'm sure he feels bad about the whole situation. Oh, I'm, I'm, was, I'm sure, because the internet's been blowing up about it. And, I mean, <laughs> it's easy to choose poor word choice that anybody's oh, going to be absolutely. Hindsight 2020, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, that's been happening. Yeah, that's the that's the birding controversy news in Oregon right now. Yeah, I think it's on the ABA Rare Bird Facebook page if you want to read the whole thing that happened, unless yeah. they deleted it. They, they might have deleted it, but they, I know they shut down comments because it kind of got uh, kind of off topic and really hateful. So, yeah, it uh, it may or may not still be there in Guys, ABA Rare Bird. Let's all be friends, <laughs> even and if I, even if you don't agree. Let's uh, be civil. Yeah, be civil. Yeah. <laughs> Um, another thing, uh, Tufted Puffins. Less controversial. Yeah. (laughs) Tufted Puffins come back soon to our area, which we feel, um, are the Sentinels of Spring. And we posted on Facebook the other day asking all of yours and people chimed in and they said things like robins, swallows, turkey vultures, pseudo wax wings, and so many other things are popping up in their area, which, uh, must mean that spring is near. And also... That's right here. Spring. You know, I was thinking about it, like... So we lived in the South for a while. We mm-hmm. lived in Texas for four years, Florida for about a year, and now we're back in Oregon. And it's so interesting to see the way uh, the seasons change because like cedar waxwings are just coming to this area. When we were in Texas, like that's where they winter. Yeah. And now they're up here for the spring, which is just, it's fun when you think about some of the different places you've lived and how things change. Yeah, the the different times things show up, like ro- robins being here all the time, and then them only being down in the south in the winter. And yeah, yeah, it's it's different being in different places. When when, when you move vertically, when you move uh, north just, and south, you move a lot. Yeah, or even just traveling too. Yeah, just traveling east and west too. You get a lot of yeah variation in what shows up yeah. at different times of the year. It's all learning. Yeah. Um. So the other thing we went to the uh, north. The Wings Over Water. Yes, Wings Over Northwest Water. Northwest Birding, Birding Festival. Gosh, I don't know why I can't figure that out. It's a lot of words all in a row. <laughs> it was in uh, Blaine, Washington, which is right on the border of Blaine in Canada, Washington, Canada. And we took a couple bus, or we took a bus tour and a boat ride, and then I spoke on a panel. Yeah, it was a really good panel. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you um, did really good. What did you think about the festival? Festival was good. It, um, I think we talked to somebody that said there was, a, was supposed to be a thousand people total. Yeah. Which we kind of uh, kind of talked about that uh, during our interview, and they. I, I feel like we may have been negative about it during the interview, but we, I don't. I don't. We don't mean to be negative in any way. No. It was not the the organization of the festival is a little bit different than what we're, what we're used to mm-hmm. or what, what we've been to in the past. So they had a bus tour, which. Um, Met, on Friday. Met, on Friday, which met at a specific location, which was off-site, to gather together and take the bus to go go on the field trip. Mm-hmm. And then they had the expo open Saturday and Sunday. And then also, all throughout the whole kind of region, there were different volunteers posted for kind of hotspots for birding locations. And I think I think it's probably likely that there was probably a thousand people. Yeah, it could have been. 
Yeah, so... Yeah, I think in the interview, I was leading to something, and I wasn't quite sure what I was leading to. And you so lost I, track. I, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> kind of got off topic. This is what happens when you don't write a script. Yeah. So, um, so it, it was a good festival. We saw we saw two lifers yes. while we were up there. Yes. Northwestern Crow and... Northern Pygmy... No. Northern Sawwit Owl. Sawwit Owl. I was hoping Northern Sawwit Owl. <laughs> um, Gosh. Both, both of which were fairly easy to get. I mean, yeah. it's the only crow up in... That region, so yeah, easy. Well, so we saw those at Rifle um, mm-hmm. National Migratory Bird Sanctuary. Yes, and that's in just outside of Vancouver. And if you haven't been there before, um, just a heads up that when you check in for like registration, they hand you a bag of bird seed. Well, it's, it's like a dollar for the seed, but oh, but it's like encouraged. It. Yeah, we, we just got it because we were on a field trip. Well, I mean, I, I didn't get it, but well, the, yeah, we did. The the rest of the crowd got. Got a bag of bird seed, um, and they they encourage feeding of the feeding of all the all the ducks and everything in certain places. In, in certain park. places, they they don't want you to do it near the headquarters, but uh, and also on some of the trails. And some of the trails, that's true. There were some signs saying don't feed. So you kind of have like a snow white swarm of ducks behind you as yeah. you're traveling around. It's so very different from a it, national wildlife refuge in the United States. Yeah, it's not something we're used to. So yeah. just be aware that if you go there, then that's the situation. Yeah, lots and lots of mallards, pintails. Oh my gosh, you get pintails and wood ducks so close and to you. Pintails, widgeons, wood ducks, um, scop mm-hmm. were like right, right up super close. So there's a couple pictures we got that just because the ducks were just staying so close, get close ups right up, right up on the eye of the wood duck <laughs> and and stuff like that. Yeah. So then um, the next day we took a boat ride around uh, uh, Blaine. There's a little spit that goes out and some. Uh, Sim, I wish I could pronounce it. It was like Semayahu. Semayahu, sure. I, I feel really bad that I don't didn't try to figure out how to pronounce that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was always thinking Semayahu, but I think that's wrong. <laughs> I don't know. It's it was it's a Native American word. It's I'm sure it's probably like Chinook or something. Yeah. But anyways, um, we went around this bay and saw a ton of bald eagles and some brant. And... Well, bald eagle was like the bird of the festival. They were yeah. everywhere. Up at Rifle, there was... Like, probably 15 or 20 that we saw within the refuge area. And then on the drive, there was, like, 30 or 40. And then we had, like, eight, I think, on the boat ride. Yeah, something like that. Bald eagles everywhere up there. And a lot of um, grebes and loons Tons of grebes and loons, yeah. Yeah, so that was a good boat ride. Um, Overall, and I sat on the panel Mm -hmm. um, with the backyard birding guys to discuss how to get younger people into birding as well as just some of the different, um, you know topics and thoughts about bird watching and why it's important and if i can put together that audio we'll uh if, if it actually turned out we'll see if we can release that as a bonus episode at some point yeah which we would do next thursday yeah but i thought the festival was fun overall um we haven't been to a whole lot of festivals in our life um but we've noticed you know just the diversity of them. The the Rio Grande Valley Festival is huge. It attracts people from all over the world to come to that one because you just see all these incredible rarities. And, you know, there's a lot of, um, like, big name birders that yeah. go to that sort of thing. Tons and, of people that wrote field guides and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the field guide authors are there. <laughs> yeah, bring your field guides to that one. They'll autograph it. Um, but this festival was, although it was probably about attracted the same number of people, it was geared more towards some of the local community. Oh, yeah, def- definitely geared towards locals. So pretty much everybody there was from from near Seattle up to Vancouver area. So there 
were maybe like five or six of us that were from out of the area. Mm-hmm. We were from Oregon. There yeah. was a couple from Colorado. And I think there was another couple or so from Oregon. So um, that was uh, interesting to talk to a lot of locals as well as get a lot of locals out to the event. Like at the expo, I noticed that it didn't tend to be like a whole lot of birders. It didn't seem to it, be mostly, mostly at the expo it was just citizens that were there. Members. Community members. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. That yeah. They're oh, it's fantastic. Invested and engaged in this sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, um, do you have anything else to say about the expo? Um, or, or no, I just, oh. <laughs> I enjoyed the festival and I thank the organization so much for having us as well as backyard birding guys for inviting us to come up. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that, there's a segue right there. <laughs> um, so this episode, we're going to, um, going to cut to the, our interview that we sat down with the backyard birding guys who created a card game and they're, they're working on creating it. It's um, Kickstarter right now. They've created it, have the content. They just have to get the money to, to fund it and get it manufactured and get it out to the, into people's hands. So we sat down with them um, at the middle school that the expo took place in. A couple quick things about it, the, about the interview. There was a lot of background noise because we were at the middle school. <laughs> but you guys are used to yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty normal. And then we had, we had a, frequent interruptions janitors that wanted to take our table wanted to drag chairs all the way from one end of the building to the other just different you know excitement things yeah yeah that's yeah. what you expect from us exactly i tried to cut as much of the things out of it as possible that weren't related and then uh we got off on some pretty fantastic tangents that <laughs> i think uh drew out our interview a little uh a little longer than normal that i i think i ended up cutting one or two of the tangents out. But we enjoyed <laughs> sitting down with Jeff and Jeremy so much. It's just... not to mean that they weren't fun tangents. They were fantastic. <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't on topic. Yeah. And that's what I'm here to do is keep you guys on topic. I know. Topic. You're, you're very strict about that. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> Anyways, um, thank you, Jeff and Jeremy, for sitting down with us and talking with us and telling us about your game. And we played a couple hands with them. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah, it was exciting. So um, enjoy our interview with these guys. So thank you guys so much for sitting down with us. We're here with Jeff and Jeremy of Backyard Birding, which is a brand new card game that is being launched soon, right? You guys just launched your Kickstarter for it in the last couple days. And you're hoping if it gets funded, then it's going worldwide. Is that how it works? That's right. Kickstarter began uh, yesterday, uh, so the 15th, March 15th. 15th. Um, And so that gives us a 30-day window. So I believe the cutoff is April the 12th. Just from the you know the way that the count works at ten o two a.m. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a specific time. It's yeah. not midnight. It's, it's, yeah, it's thirty, day, 30 days from when you st- when you yeah. click launch, and mm-hmm. we were we were just happening to click launch right. it so, in the morning yesterday. So, so like ten o two hand over hand on the mouse, <laughs> and like, click. It's like it, a whole like, it ghost Patrick Swayze moment. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, we were trading um, Lord of the we were trading Lord of the Rings gifts back and forth. So the scene at Helm's Deep where they go, go it begins. But that was about it. Yeah, so that's our 30-day window, and if we're successful and get our pledge amount, then we, we'll be ready to deliver the files to the manufacturer, and then, mm-hmm. you know, there's turnaround time and shipping time for them to do their thing, and then it will be mailed directly to our backers, and if we don't meet the goal, which, that's not going to happen, no. uh, but if we don't... No, not with the massive support we've already received. That's right, not with the worldwide audience of Hein and Eric Gilbert. Yeah, well, I mean, at the <laughs> festival that we're at now, recording alone, I mean, we've jumped up, like... I don't know, like 500, no, 
It was it, it was, was it was se- about that. It was I think it was at we were seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine. Yes, we've got, we've gotten like nine hundred dollars just today. Wow, on this oh one, so that's Super really incredible. great for us. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, progress. It's yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So we're on the right track, and I'm I'm really optimistic that it's going to fund. But even if it doesn't, it's uh, it's Kickstarter. So the people who committed, um, you know, committed up to this point are not out anything. Okay. You, Kickstarter doesn't take any money from your account until you're successful. So it's a, a completely risk free pledge. Okay. Well, so well, in the end, you get a game. Well, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, bonus. The risk, <laughs> the, 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 the risk is you're going to get yeah. a game. Yeah. <laughs> We're at the Wings Over Water Northwest Birding Festival in Blaine, Washington, which is just right on the border of Washington and Canada. Our northern neighbor, and um, our we're, northern neighbor. yeah, so we're, <laughs> so we're just we're excited that you guys invited us or you know suggested that we come up to the festival because we've never been birding up here in this area. Um, no, I think it's it, the furthest north we've been birding on official birding business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the OBB. <laughs> so you've never ne- have you been to Washington State before? Oh, oh yeah, many yeah, times. yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, we're, we're. I briefly lived in Washington State for three months. Oh, okay, cool. Just not official birding business. Of course. <laughs> Since this is official. Yeah, it's official. We have um, binoculars, camera. But we also got to go birding in Canada. So that was, yeah. that was pretty awesome. So you went you went up into Canada? We did. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. How yeah. far did yeah. you go? Yeah, we a... went to Rifle yesterday. I have no idea the bus tour. Yeah, me neither. It was like um, hour, a 45-minute ride from here. I, it's like 20 miles from the border, but it's like not straight north. It's like northwest mm. from Blaine. So it's kind of like we we went up like five or six miles north and then just went like west. It's like there's there's a um, there's a bay. I'm not I'm not super familiar with the geography. Get the map, Jeremy. Yeah, seriously. Where's the we, map? We need to have a map out here. But he thought the Netherlands was in Scandinavia. I mean, so we'll just we, start off with that. Yeah, seriously, I I need to get a map and like look at these are countries. These are where they're at. But, it's important for official birding business to know. That's true. To know, know where you're going. You're where you've been, where you're at. It's, Anyways, it's complicated. We went birding up in Canada cool. at yeah. Rifle. It was really neat. We yeah, because got... the, the, the Wings Over Water Festival is th- uh, three days. We're in the, the middle day of it. And yeah. Friday and Sunday were, I think, all tours. And the Friday tour is the one you took, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The Friday, yeah. Friday bus tour up to Rifle. Yeah, so this, um, this festival, it doesn't really seem that large. We um, had a chance to talk to somebody yesterday. And they said that they expect about 1,000 people come to this festival overall, which... Um, we haven't seen a thousand. I haven't seen a thousand. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm maybe, sure maybe a thousand come. I have no idea because I mean, there's there's not only just the expo center that we're at now, which is the middle school, but they also have there's like a handful of like random spots all throughout town, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That are like just spots that people could just come to and then leave and not, never hit, come to the expo. So. Yeah, right. and we're we're more most used people, to most like, people count the festivals we've gone to. We're more used to like an expo center that that's the launching point for all the field trips. So like oh. you see everybody at that one spot, but yeah, so there'd be like throngs of people. <laughs> Yeah. Especially in the morning before the field trips leave. Just trying to find their bus. Everyone trying to find their bus or trying to find the car they're going with. And... But what was it about this festival? It's It's been a great festival so far. We've had a great experience oh, yeah. at it. But what was it that caused you guys to use this as your launching point for your Kickstarter and to fund your game? Oh, sure. Yeah, I can um, chat a little bit about that. <laughs> um, um and it, it was really my connection with uh, the, the community itself. This working in Blaine was my first real job. I, I started, uh, I have a degree in journalism from a local university, and we were working, I was working at, my first job was a community newspaper, which is based in Blaine. Mm-hmm. And uh, through my connections here, um, 
is how I found out. I knew about Wings Over Water from from there, and I wasn't into birding yet. I've only been into birding seriously in quotes for about three years. Um, but I, I uh, one of the women I worked with when I was at the Northern Light, the name of the newspaper. Uh, sh- uh, fast forward. Um, what is it? 2012 is when I left there. It's 2019 now. Um, she's one of the organizers for this festival, and she saw yeah. that our backyard birding game kind of awareness raising campaign, which we launched in October, was happening because we're connected on Facebook. And yeah. she reached out to me and said, "Hey, Jeremy, she knew me from the Northern Light. This game of yours sounds really, really cool, and we'd love to be able to feature it in some way at the Wings Over Water Festival." And I knew of the festival from here. Obviously, knew this woman, and she. It was this serendipitous thing where the festival ended up being in March and. And based on Jeff's uh, research, he's he's successfully kickstarted a game uh, a game before, not related to birds, but a few years ago. That uh, typically March is a good time frame for kickstarters to get successfully funded, and so it was just serendipitous that this birding festival happening in March, obviously mm-hmm. about birds, our game was about birds. So the stars just kind of aligned, and um, it's been a fantastic experience at the expo itself, the vendor expo, and then working with the working with the. Um, planners and uh, event staff themselves, so it's, yeah. it's been really great. Yeah, kickstarting Kickstarter promotion is really tough, and you hear about these games that take off and fund in the first day or in the first six hours or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, kudos to them. It's great that that creators <laughs> can get their their projects funded, but a lot of the people who have that kind of success already have a fan base that's following them and ready and waiting for what yeah. comes next, and. Uh, you know, I, I made a game in the past, but it's not like I have an adoring fan base yet. <laughs> yet. So, uh, so... Also, after backyard birding. Yeah, yeah I mean, know. well, who knows, right? But the but publicity is really tough when you don't have, like, ad dollars or marketing yeah. dollars to throw at it. Because this is all just sort of a pet project for Jeremy and I. And the fact that we were able to come out in public like this and share the game and have mm-hmm. a lot of people uh, excited, even just to see it. You know, people have never heard of it before because, you know, if you're not listening to our Facebook or newsletter or whatever, people just walk by and they're like, oh, a game? Oh, what a great idea. You know, So that's yeah. really pretty thrilling to, ha- to have happen. And um, I think it's just a really great way to kick things off and, and start off on the right foot, have have some buzz and have um, fresh eyes looking yep. at it. And, and we've had, had at least, um, I, I kind of, I actually a little lost count, we've had at least a dozen or so uh, instances to, maybe more than a dozen or half dozen, to uh, play the game with people at this actual event. So we have some demonstration uh, copies of the game available for for play, and people mm-hmm. have been taking advantage of it, and it's been really great to see. And we've had some really good good encounters with uh, the game is eight and up. Uh, we're we're uh, designed to be educational, but we've had great experiences both with with kids of that age and uh, with their parents and adults who just are interested in games from teens to to older folks. And so, getting that really hands on experience and and feedback and and just seeing them interact with the game has really been really been. Um, gratifying for both of us because we've been, been been in development for about a year, close to a year. So yeah. it's been really wonderful to see it live and see it in people's hands and getting them getting them a chance to enjoy it. Yeah. So you, you said this isn't your main thing. So you're it's a pet project. So what, what do you guys both do for like a living outside of? Or is it bird related or is it like? IT uh, is it like we, we, is it something just way off? We work the we work together at the same company, and we do um, our company specifically does um, e-learning software. So Jeff oh, is okay. um, an adult learning uh, expert and instructional designer, and I uh-huh. work in the marketing department. Okay. And so it was a kind of a connection of his uh, adult learning expertise and knowing kind of how people learn that 
really mm -hmm. fueled the educational aspect that we're trying to get at with this game. Yeah. And then I've been sort of the, I mean, we're a two-person project with, with lots of fantastic help from both our families, but it's, I've really been kind of the marketing dude in addition to the, mm -hmm. the birding, the birding kind of expert for this. But it's, it's really just two of us and then yeah, our job is not, not birding related, but it, but, yeah. um, it's how we, how we met. Okay. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, unfortunately not pretty. I thought you meant unfortunately that's how we met. <laughs> yeah. Oh, unfortunately. unfortunately you guys met yeah. and yeah. this whole thing. <laughs> no, we... Same thing with us. <laughs> <laughs> no, our our job is it's a totally different but still kind of interesting field yeah. and I think that the partnership that we've we've developed I think is a, a really good fit because I'm like the game guy and the idea guy and I've got like 20 games that are like literally in my basement uh, just kind of like <laughs> just waiting for me to do something and have some enthusiasm about it but like yeah. I said uh, campaigns like this take a lot of work and a lot of marketing oomph it really is yeah. almost like starting a small business but compacted into this really brief period of time so it's it's just hmm. it's not the kind of thing that I I want to do 100% solo, so having Jeremy's expertise, just being, you know, the voice of backyard birding and, and managing our social media has been super, 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 super important yeah. to the success because, you know, you can come up with a million good ideas, but if you're not able to share them with people, then they're just ideas. Yeah, doesn't doesn't make any progress or headway or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, and there's, I'm sure there's a gazillion game nerds who have a gazillion good ideas, yeah. but <laughs> it takes a lot of gusto to, to put yourself out on a crowdfunding platform or even just to share your ideas with other people. I mean, how many cool games have like never been played with people because, um, you know, it was made by some nerd who just is so thrilled with this idea, but yeah. doesn't have the space to, with which to share it. Although I think that we're in kind of a gaming renaissance now. I, I've, yeah, totally. I've noticed that. Yeah. When we were living in Houston, we would go to a, a brewery pretty often, and they would have there was like a company that was trying to start a game cafe. Yeah. And they hadn't started yet, and so they would bring all their games to the brewery, and they would just have like hundreds of them. Mm -hmm. and, and the like, place would be packed too. Like yeah, the brewery of just normal normal people just visiting on like was it like Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day it was an evening. Well, Saturday, like was well no was normal it, people go drink. No, it, it, it was an evening. It was an evening time, but okay. there, there'd be like a handful of people there. And and like on a normal night, but then the game night, the place would be packed full of people playing all these all these board games. Some of them are like really old board games, like classics and stuff. But then other ones are like things that I'd never even heard of, yeah. just like just new like weird yeah. like role playing games. It's just right. like these things that they're not like normal board games. So they're like things mm -hmm. that's right. Unique. Yeah, and we're yeah. We're, we're, ba we're based in um, Washington State in the Seattle area, and we can both Jeff and I can probably name just off the top of my head top of our heads five or six board game cafes whose really? who's, who's, um, um, yeah, uh, selling point is trendy. you come here and play we have a bunch of games and, and like, Eric, yeah, you're so, so like, like Eric you're saying yeah. it's not just the classics ones it's it's more tabletop I mean what would have been considered 10-15 years ago super nerdy and not mm -hmm. really mainstream are out and being played and it's, it's really fascinating to see out, not in people's basements anymore yeah, exactly. like, out, yeah. out, out yeah. in the daylight yeah. it's, I think it's more evidence among most of pop culture these days of the nerds having won the war. So, sorry, <laughs> sorry, jocks. They, they, you, they, they, they won the battle. That's right. <laughs> your, your high school muscles didn't do, do the trick. The nerds have won. The nerds have won. That's right. They're programming all the computers and making all the board games. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the two things that you, and you have fun with. And they're, and they're, yeah, they're telling you what you watch. I mean, you've got Game of Thrones and a variety of others. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Lord of the Rings was probably like the, the biggest that was example the of it. That was a tipping point. Yeah. But, it's just it's just gotten yeah. well yeah with Big Bang yeah I mean, that's oh that's true yeah. that's Big, like Big Bang's like what is that like number one TV 
sitcom or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That's still on? Do they make new episodes of that? I think I they're know. just finishing this year, maybe. Oh, wow. Is like this the like, series think, or something from yeah, like, this year? Series. I don't know, it's getting close, but it's huge. It's a huge show, and it's all it's all about ner- nerds doing their nerd thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing now, I guess. Well, I don't. <laughs> it, it is. It is a thing. And, uh, is, yes, I. Uh, I mean, we're in the. I sympathize. I empathize with their position. Uh, I will make a point, though, yeah. just for anyone interested in learning more about the game. Is it's not. A, I would not say characterize it in any way as like a, a deep geeky. Oh no, no, not game. at all. Yeah. It's super light hearted and fun, and it's mostly just there to do a couple things. Number one introduce birds in the hobby of birding to youth because it's a it's a I'll I'll admit it's easy by design so you could play it with your kids but uh when we play tested the game we we had a couple of sort of like home events where we invited a dozen two two dozen people to my home mm-hmm. and it was really kind of exciting to see people you know my friends or family or whatever whom were all of a sudden getting really just excited about birds in this really everyday capacity. So, like, I remember my brother-in-law was like, oh, like, it was a Junko. The card that flipped over was a Junko. He's like, oh, I see that one in the parking lot every day when I go to work. That's what it's called, a Junko. You know, so it's, you, you know, birds are everywhere, and you and most people are certainly, you know, you see them. You may not think about them yeah. because they're sort of innocuous in a lot of ways if you're, if you're not tuned into them. But uh, it was cool to see people who had never characterized themselves as birders be excited um, about such a simple thing as flipping over a card. So that's really kind of the, the secret goal of backyard birding is to get people excited about something that they can do so easily in their daily yeah. life, right? I mean, it doesn't cost you anything to look at the bird in your backyard or on, just, on the your window and just look yeah. at it, yeah. And one, and one anecdote that sticks out from um, the, the same kind of playtest event that we had going was we, we set up a, a simple kind of questionnaire that people just filled out afterward. And one of the comments I got from it was we asked some kind of general, more specific questions about the game than some more general, what did you learn? Did you learn anything? A type question. Mm-hmm. And one of the answers that sticks out was, I think it was, gosh, I think it was an American coot, and this woman, one of one of the one of the attendees, just said, "I had no idea there was a bird called an American coot before, and now I do, and that's great." And it was just so it was just really heartening to see that kind of touching on Jeff's point that there's something relatively simple has made at least even only one or two people, if that if um, if that's the least they could do to make. Um, people see the world in just a little bit different way, or see yeah. more of the world that's already in front of them. And I think we've we've done a good thing and and provided, dare I say, maybe yeah. even a kind of a service with with trying. Yeah, to we're public service. This game. Yeah, public clearly, service. yeah, public service. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> disclaimer. Just though, it done. Uh, disclaimer. I have not play tested the game with really surly people, so <laughs> we haven't had the formal grouch not, play test. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we, you know, we have to. I've yet to break through a real hard case, but for most people, yeah. uh, they've had a, a ton of. You're receptive play. to birds, generally. generally. You're probably, yeah. so if we, you just we, hate we birds, need to just go down to the gas station. Yeah, exa- and just and find some truckers. Yeah, looking the most pissed off. Yeah, and be like, all right, set a card table in front of them. All right, here we go, guys. If you absolutely, if you absolutely hate birds for whatever reason, well, you're probably not listening to this podcast. But if you do, we can't hate listening. Yeah. <laughs> we we can't we can't we can't promise that it'll make you love birds, but if you're on the fence about birds, hopefully this game will make you appreciate them yeah. a little bit more. And if you do like them, like on the, uh, the extreme other end of our friends or family who are into birds, even sort of just like an uh, oh I love the hummingbird because it's the cutest bird in the universe kind of a thing. 
seeing people which is not go, by the way but <laughs> here, like by the way. seeing people wow. flip a card over and go like oh that's my favorite or whatever you know that's a lot of fun too and a lot of yeah. people won't even play the game to win they just want the hummingbird or they, they, just, they, just, want, they just want their favorite bird that's right yeah and that's fine you know you get it and you feel like you won so yeah. that's no, great nothing against hummingbirds though but I just I think it's fascinating and kind of funny that there's this kind of ethos around them that they're magical and fairy like when they're just absolutely cutthroat birds they animals and will 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 <laughs> yeah just stab other mem- other males males will go at it and they'll sword fight with their crazy long bills and so they're they're because they're so hardcore yeah yeah they're 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 vicious <laughs> they're hardcore, hardcore I mean, yeah, 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 I, had, I had this whole appreciation for them for that reason not that it, not that i don't appreciate them well, because they're not very like and nice appreciation or fear fear that's true yeah it's, it's a, a healthy fear of hummingbirds. Of fear okay so which bird is the most terrifying <laughs> Uh, in the game yeah. or just overall? Overall. Overall? Oh, yeah. gosh. I mean, if you've if you've seen any pictures of a shoebill, a shoebill stork, oh, oh that yeah. looked, I mean, they've literally got a, a, a boat-sized uh, um, bill on their face, and it looked like they're straight, well, out, they're, of, straight out of Jurassic but, Park. But they've bigger got, like, like human eyes, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. And just, like, yeah, this that's a good monster bill, and they look like they could just, like, Smack you in the yeah. face, but like their eyes look like they know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, they, they they know what they're doing while they're hit, while they're doing whatever. Wow. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How does it? Does it? So it's got a big bill. It's not like a pelican, though, right? No, it's no. like like really hard. Too. Yeah, it's shaped like it's shaped like a clog. I mean, like a wooden yeah, clog. Yeah, exactly. That's why they're think by why they're shoe bill. I'm yeah. sure. Does it like crush prey or does it eat grass or what does it eat? I don't know what it eats. We better. Yeah, we, it's, 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 we should find question. out. Yeah, Don't find out. Well, we'll it's, go to Africa and we'll see them and yeah. we'll learn yeah. more. We'll yeah, get we back go. to you on that. Yeah, that's your next trip. Yeah, after yeah. we go to Africa. Yeah. yeah. That what man? That so, would I don't know. Ni- where Kenya probably? Kenya? I think Uganda. Kenya. Uganda's got them. Yeah, we yeah. got to go to the birding festival yeah. in Uganda. Anyways, so you talked about that you're you birded for about three years or so. So how did you guys? Start birding, or what? What even sparked you to create a bird a game about bird watching? Um, I'd say I can start. I can kind of speak to how I got into it. Um, for me, it was I was I was fortunate enough to be uh, marry into a not a hardcore birding family, but a family that's always paid more attention to birds. My my wife tells wonderful stories of going on walks with her with her grandparents and just pointing out birds. And I actually have. Um, um, sorry, um, grandmother recently passed away, and I have her Peterson's the guidebook in my car oh. now, so I kind of like carry it with her all, at all at all times, and so that's yeah. kind of nice. And they've I've inherited um, uh, lots of cool bird stuff from them, but so I married into that family, so it was always sort of there. And beyond that, I've always been kind of the nature kid and into dinosaurs and into the natural world. I never lost my obsession with dinosaurs and birds being dinosaurs. I'm sure that helped, <laughs> but um, um, it really sparked for me it's or drove home for me living um in the first apartment i shared with my wife sarah uh we had a little bit a little bit of a balcony it was a it was a urban area but a little bit of a balcony and we had a um inherited a bird feeder from her family and we just hung it up and neither neither of us were really expecting to get much but what we did get were just house finches all over the place and for and for uh, such a common bird i was just fascinated by watching all their little finch drama and watching them jockey for position <laughs> on the feeder three or four at a time and watching the males come in and do their thing and the <clears throat> and with, with the females and pairing up and um doing that sort of thing so just watching all that was just super fascinating to me and so it made me want to, I've always been a detail-oriented person, it made me want to pay more attention to these crazy, fascinating animals. And I have a, started keeping a life list, and we did a kind of an unofficial 
big May when we started to try to see as many birds as we could in our little area in, in that May. And it's, it's kind of just, uh, um, blown you, up from there. How many did you find that year? We got, we, uh, that was, it was only a month. We got 54. It was a kind of a lazy big May. I mean, oh, we could only, get out. Only 54. Only 54. <laughs> yeah. Get out on the weekend when we could. Um, um, but it, it's just sort of blossomed from there. And I've been on a handful of, uh, Christmas bird counts, which I think you guys did an episode about, yeah. uh, with our local Audubon chapter, the Seattle Audubon. And it's, uh, just, it's blossomed from there for me. Uh, 54. That's a lot. Um, so for me, I, I don't, I wouldn't really describe myself as the, the hobbyist. I, I really enjoy birds sort of incidentally. So I'll, okay. I'll sit, I'll, I'll go about my life, but then find myself sort of, uh, entranced for a moment, you know, as I watch or whatever. And we, my wife and I just moved into a really nice house. We have a big garden window. So, you know, I'll, get a drink of water or whatever and then find that I've been there for three or four minutes just watching what's going on. <laughs> so that's pretty fun. Right? But I think that, I mean, I've always been super interested in evolution and birds having been around for as long as they have and having changed as much as they have and being so diverse just was a real easy way to um, sort of indulge that sort of scientific interest. But I think that the thing that I would say like made me really like birds occurred when I was Gosh, how old would I have been? I think I would have been 13. And I remember we, so my, the home that I grew up in had a, a separate garage that was like its own building in the back patio. And we had a pool table. So I would have been 13 years old, played pool out, out there, this old sucky pool table with my buddies. But we also had a swimming pool in the backyard too. And there was this period of time where we kind of let it go dormant because keeping a swimming pool up in Washington State is like a full-time job. Yeah. And so it basically just turned into a pond. And I remember on a LARF, is that the word, LARF? On a... I don't know. A LARF. Sure. A, LARP. a LARP. LARP. On a LARP. A, a whim. Yes, yeah. a lot of okay. whim. Right. I remember some relative or whatever had a, had a bunch of goldfish that they wanted to get rid of. So we threw them in the swimming pool. Oh, All yeah. right. Right, because so, why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. So, so this pond in our backyard just had these goldfish living in it, more or less wild, and a bunch of uh, gray blue herons started oh uh, basically <laughs> just kind of hanging out. And stalking the goldfish, and I remember seeing them. (laughs) (laughs) I remember seeing them perched on the deck as a boy, and just kind of watching them, and just thinking they're really gnarly, cool creatures. But this one time, I was coming, I was exiting the garage after playing pool and sucking. But anyway, I opened the door, and this heron was like right on the deck, like right, like I could almost reach out and touch it, and I spooked it. And it spread its wings and it made this, you know, its big honking call and just sort of flew off as I startled it. And it was just massive. And I never really realized how big birds were until then, right? Because even when you see a heron uh, just sort of perched, it, 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 you know, it hunches, right? So you you don't, you can't get a sense of the scope of it. Well, you're usually pretty far away from it. Yeah. When it's moving, you're far away from it, especially. So just seeing it so close and so huge and big, that was just, that was just cool to me. So that was, I think the moment where I became aware that these cool animals were out there. Man, for the self-professed non-birder of our little duo, that is a way cooler birder origin story <laughs> than I have. Yeah. Just oh, and the, the fish, I by the way. Oh, let me finish, follow up the story. Fish, Eric and Hannah go fishing. So the goldfish were poached, save one. <laughs> and there's I, there's this legend. To this day. No, it, 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 could be, it could be. I mean, you hear that, you know, that they say goldfish grow to suit their environments. That is 100% true. Because oh, no. we drain, because oh, when I was gosh. a teenager, no. we drained the pool to, uh, to get it, you know, up to use it again. And I remember 
I got home from school and my mom had this bucket. Uh, 55 gallons. It was a big bucket. She said, hey, <laughs> hey, Jeff, put your hand in that bucket. And I'm like, okay, I'm a stupid kid. I'll do this. So I put my hand in this bucket and it had this huge, like, job of the hut goldfish. Oh my this gosh. thing was like, I mean, you know, it was a garden bucket, so it's like a foot across. And it literally was so big it couldn't turn or move within the bucket. Oh and, I put, and I put my hand in there and basically just sort of curled my fingers up and, held, like, held its belly. And it just sort of, like, just like a full did, oh the, did the fat fish squirm, but it couldn't even move. Oh, my gosh. And I, I just thought that was the coolest thing. a lot of fish. Uh, I don't remember where it went, though. I think I'm pretty sure we set it free. So, yeah, Hannah, it I, could be a lot. That's, like, my nightmare. And I like to think that it still is. Oh, my gosh. It's like a six-foot goldfish. To this day. He's, he's, he's out here in the bay. Just there's, living. there's like no, stories. It's now the bird that eats the great blue herons. <laughs> <laughs> Every so often Get you see a range. heron waiting along it, and it's just oh, oh, god. Yeah, yeah, it makes this whoosh like, like, sound. Like placid or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they do that. Have you seen? It was in the planet, like Planet Earth Two. Um, you know the the big dog yeah, yeah, yeah. and the last episode is you know they have the different biomes, but the last episode is cities. And I remember that, it, I think it's in New York somewhere, there's these catfish that have sort of moved into this area, and they show these pigeons, like, swimming out of these construction sites near, near rivers, and these catfish, like, beach themselves and oh eat these gosh. pigeons live. Oh, oh, it was awesome. Oh, I must, you have, haven't I seen must it, have missed that. YouTube. Yeah. It's super <laughs> badass. It's so cool. Yeah. But to go back to yours, I guess the second part of your question, Hannah, which was what what made you want to do a bird game? Yeah, well, uh, thanks so, for getting back to it. Yeah, yeah, I can stay it's on. The gold, it's the goldfish. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's tracking. I, I feel like these stories paint a picture that we need to give to your your audience. But so I said before that I've I'm, I got a bazillion games just in my basement. I literally I literally do. And I was when I moved, I um, you know I went. You know, as you do, you go through all your, your junk and, and figure out what to keep and yeah. whatnot. And I just found all these old games that I have prototypes printed out for, and they're in sort of various stages of development. And I had this game, which is basically the bird game as it, it it is now, backyard birding as it is now. But it was themed around rescuing animals, and it was just sort of like the, the panoply of animals. So there were mammals and reptiles and bugs mm-hmm. and everything. And my thought when I made that game is that kids love animals. Animal rescue is an easy thing people could get behind and be excited about. So um, that was the genesis of that project. But it just sat there. I, I hadn't worked off the rough edges to make the game really work mm-hmm. from from start to finish. There were these weird rules, hiccups and things. So anyway, I got it out, played it, and was like, man, you know, I, I feel like this is such a good basic game mechanic, you know, where you play down your resources, roll the dice to collect things. Yeah. And just the, the idea of collecting is such wow. a potent game gamey mechanic you know it feels like you're doing something when you're collecting yeah so i wanted to develop that and and i thought like what what do i need to do to not only make the game work from a functional standpoint but also to to get it out there mm-hmm. number one i have to like play it and share it with people and just get honest opinions I don't know if you've ever if you've ever made a game before the most important thing is having to play test like it is it is just the most nauseating feeling to, to think you have created this really working cool game and then yeah. watch people try to play it and they're like oh sorry then, we, then we broke just... it like immediately <laughs> like you because you hadn't thought of this rule or whatever so you have to do that right yeah and i needed to do that with this this game but also to get the game out there and have it be a successful thing where you have you know people outside of your immediate family and friends play it it just takes energy yeah and that's when i thought well you know jeremy and i are friends at work he's really into birds i bet i could take the animal game 
tweak it a little bit and make it bird centric. Yeah. And that that sort of began the real work on this project, right? Yeah, I would I would say so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was the connection with with so you're saying Jeff and I'm the reason for backyard you, birding being you are the inspiration <laughs> being the bird thing you are the inspiration <laughs> no and and I thought it I thought it gave us the opportunity to kind of really focus in and being able to provide a bit more from the education angle that we've touched on a few times because I, 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 I don't know if I was exposed except for the very first like beyond alpha playtest that was animal rescue as you described it <clears throat> but we it gave us the opportunity to focus in on a on a specific kind of niche and really hammer home the educational piece to it rather than be a little more general about animals need rescue here's this lion or yeah, here's right. this other yeah. type of animal yeah. we could really focusing on birds as a as a, as a niche and ultimately rely or and potentially even Use it as a, as an opportunity to get support for it because yeah. niche things, while them by their very nature smaller, uh, because it's just because they are, are also tend to have the strongest and most um, for. Um, What's the word I'm looking cult-like. for? Cult-like. Cult-like supporters. <laughs> supporters attached to it. So, so, that's, so you guys want this to become a cult? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the, the backyard birding. Wow, that got yeah. really weird. Oh, <laughs> Um, so not quite cult level yet, but if you go support us on Kickstarter within the 30-day window, maybe it could. Um, but that, yeah, that was that was uh, I think a good a good op, uh, that was main focus there was focusing on the educational piece and making it more fo- uh, making it more specific and using yeah. that as a tool. Okay. <clears throat> so um, this first uh, one you guys have coming out, if it gets funded with Kickstarter, is specific Northwest theme, correct? That's correct. Yeah. We, uh, so correct. would you look at further adaptations to different areas of have, have you the country or the world? Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. That is pretty much the first question we've get from everyone. Most of the people. Sorry we, to be. Well, <laughs> no, we're, we're like almost, we're getting great half hour in. We wait until then to finally ask that question. Oh no, it's good. Good. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, you, you waited, you've waited a lot longer than, than most folks have. But no, I mean, joking aside, yeah, I mean that, that's something that is kind of a natural uh, extension, at least as an idea for something that's so uh, so locality specific. And it's mm-hmm. and we're absolutely not against it. I mean, it's really dependent upon uh, the support that this uh, current Kickstarter uh, yeah. raises. And if and if it gets funded, then we'll we'll consider depending on how much it blows up, if it goes viral, as the kids are saying, it might, it's not out of our realm of consideration. But the Pacific North Pacific North Northwest thing again is was kind of an opportunity and a, and an excuse for us to be as, as pretty specific. And I've actually gotten some pretty reasonable and, and positive feedback from various uh, bird kind of really, really bird experts and bird enthusiasts, birders that we've exposed them, that we've shown the game, that, oh, this is really cool that this is specific to our region. I mean, I can just yeah. play this game in Seattle, in Washington State, and not just come across a cardinal or a blue jay. Yeah, and there's no there's no expectation yeah. to be able to go out in anywhere in Washington and especially see a, a cardinal or something, right? Yeah. So it was it was nice to hear that specific sort of feedback. Yeah. That being said, though, I think that most of the birds in the game have a really big uh, range. Sure. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like most of the birds in the game are yeah pretty. I mean, everywhere except maybe the Southwest. You know, yeah. sort of the, mm-hmm. the the hotter regions of the country. Well, you've you've, you've got things in there. There's like pileated woodpecker. Yeah, exactly. You've, you've, you've got yeah. that pretty much the entire country. Exactly, and not not to suggest that they're only in the Pacific yeah. Northwest, yeah. but they're found here, and we don't we're not including birds from other yeah. regions. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Like you, don't, like you don't have American goldfinches yeah. are American goldfinches. There a lot of a, a lot a lot of parts of the country. Yeah. Juncos are everywhere yeah. in various flavors. Um, yes, Although exactly. I could see, I mean, I could even <clears> see Northwest folks. 
being really excited about you know the desert southwest version or the mm-hmm. or the the Florida yeah. um, extension uh, yeah. Everglade yeah. Everglade yeah. pack. Have, you know, because, have some expansion packs. Yeah, yeah because those birds are <laughs> to me at least like an ibis is like this totally exotic thing. Right? Yeah. I mean, you guys okay. were saying that on your Florida who, who said it like on your Florida yeah. trip to Disneyland Disney World or whatever. Yeah, that was, like yeah, that was basically yeah. pigeons, right? Yeah, I mean that's yeah, kind of everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of mind blowing yeah. to me because I've only seen them once in when I was in Palm Springs, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, he, Jeremy's right. The first thing we thought of after we played the first prototype was, yeah, we could then do a, a this version or that version. <laughs> and then I think the second thing we said was, yeah, we could even make a dinosaur version. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> dinosaur version. So yeah, so if, if listeners, resources are listeners, there. if you make this successful, we will have backyard dino. They are promising dino. a dinosaur expansion. Oh man, kids will love that. I know it's just a natural thing, right? Yeah. Uh, although we can't take photographs of dinosaurs, so it might be a little harder to get. You them have artistic renditions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stick figure dinos. <laughs> just take them straight out of Jurassic Park. Well, there's yeah. well, there's less opportunity to have to go out and ID dinosaurs, so the, maybe the photographs aren't as important. Because one of the things we wanted was to be able to have um, photographs involved, so they can yeah. also kind of be used as flashcards. And and so with dinosaurs, that's less of, less of a chance that you'll go out and see it. Unfortunately, T Rex walking around. You never know. I mean, birds are dinosaurs, so you're not going to misidentify a Velociraptor in the field. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess the last thing I wanted to ask about is, or have, have you guys kind of discussed is if if you guys want to the general. Like a real short general gameplay. What exactly is the game? So we've sure. talked about it's about birds. It's educational. Sure. It's 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 cards. It's cards. Oh, yeah. Sure. So, yeah. So so the, like, the, like, the important thing. Yeah. Let's talk about the game. Yeah. So the premise is uh, you're you're basically competing with the other players to collect not necessarily the most birds to your backyard, your sort uh-huh. of simulated backyard, but the most points worth of birds. So birds are going to be worth different points based on what season you decide to play in. Okay. So at the start of the, game, of the game, you pick summer, fall, winter, autumn, or whatever. And um, the the sort of migration patterns of birds for our region will dictate uh-huh. how, what points they're worth. And if because the idea is that you're, collect, or you're attracting birds to your backyard, the birds which you have the best chance to attract for the season are worth the most points. So, for example, in autumn... Birds like our like our auto, um, our migratory ducks are going to be worth a lot of points because they're going to okay. be passing through the area. Mm-hmm. Summertime, it's going to be what, what's the summertime? Kind of, uh, kind of approaching birds. I think we have um, a great blue heron kind of as a summer bird, more likely to be seen, or at least uh, commonly seen, because that's when they're going to be nesting or at least having yeah. their babies. Yeah. So it's like, probably more likely to notice a great blue yeah, heron in like summer around here. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, so, <clears throat> so the season dictates the point values, which will determine a little bit of the strategy of the game. So. In wintertime, you're not going to be really trying to get the summer birds because it's not very likely that they'll be around, uh, and vice versa. Um, so that's step one, get the season. Step two is to uh, get a hand of backyard cards. So there's two decks of cards. The backyard uh-huh. cards are things like uh, your um, grass or um, yeah, wild yeah. grasses, running yeah, water, environment seeds. and food that a bird would need. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's a little, it's the kind of stuff that you you would either have in the natural environment um, or you could put into your backyard. So, so things you could put in, like I, I saw a couple of them like running water and. Yeah. So, so, like, you could yeah, do something, yeah, like, in real life, you'd put a little stream in Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're modeled yeah. after things that wouldn't be unreasonable mm-hmm. to have or, in a, uh, bushes, in, in a backyard. Bush, yeah, bushes, exactly. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, we, 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 we didn't include specific backyard things like bird feeders. We wanted to keep more of a natural yeah. animal yeah, yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But it's things that the average, reasonably, the average person with a reasonable 
backyard would yeah. would, would potentially be exposed to and know yeah. about and mm-hmm. could or see. Have, or have a walk that you yeah. go to. Or have right? a walk, exactly. Like if you yeah. want to see this particular bird in the game, you'd know that you need to go to a wetland. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. A wetland and they're going to eat insects. Yep. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. 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 Or fish or, fish or, right. or, yeah, or yeah. grass. Uh, yeah. So you get your backyard cards in your hand and then each player takes turns um you know, you just go around the table, mm-hmm. revealing birds from the bird deck, and it's two at a time, so there's always going to be birds popping into play. And then it's basically open season. Anybody can try to collect that bird if you have the backyard cards that match what you see on the card. Okay. So, for example, like a, like a hummingbird is going to have uh, trees and bushes. The great blue heron is going to have wetlands and fish, you know, things that they, yeah. they, the environment that they're likely to be in and the thing that they're likely to eat. So the strategy is... As a you know, as a player, is deciding which of those birds uh, you want to go after, and you know you could be as serious about it as you want. You could go after the birds that are worth the most points, or you could go after just your favorite, whatever you know. Yeah. But if you want to win, you go after the birds that are worth the most points. You play your cards, and then based on what you end up playing in your backyard, it changes the dice uh, or the, the number you need on a dice roll. Okay. So, for example, if you have just what the bird needs, it's going to be very attracted to your backyard. So, so, it's, so it's easier to roll a dice. Yep, that's right. You're, You're more likely to roll a winning, more likely to a, a winning, winning yeah. dice roll and attract the bird ultimately. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. But you could also kind of gamble a little bit. Like if there was a high high value bird, but you only had one thing that it needed, you'd need a higher dice roll to go collect it. But, it's worth, but if, you're, if you're going for points, then it'd be worth more points. Yep. It might be worth it might be worth the risk. Right. Yeah. So every on you get to do that once per turn, and then at the end of the turn, you roll the dice a second time, and then every bird card will have a, what we call a takes flight number. Okay. Because birds that are in play might fly away. So, you know, you could have six birds in play, roll the dice, and then two of them might fly away. The next turn, none of them might fly away. The turn after that, all of them yeah. might fly away. It just totally depends on what yeah. birds end up coming into play. Yeah, and, and the intent behind that was to kind of um, inspire people to, if they really see a, if they see a bird that they want and they really like it for whatever reason, point value, or they just love that bird, you should probably go after it whenever, as soon as you can as because you it, they yeah. might just fly away because like in real life in your backyard is as... As, as much of a paradise as it might be to birds, birds will fly away because that's what they do. Yeah. yeah. And we found that with certain with certain uh, players, it's really just a race to get the hummingbird <laughs> or like a race to the woodpecker. You know, everybody, there's like these just sort of hero birds that everybody yeah. loves. And when they get flipped over, people are like, oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> oh, I got just what I need. You know, so it, it feels good to catch your favorite. But one thing that I really like, because we played a hand with you guys, um, one thing that I really liked is that it's just just cards. Like we we're sorry players and Monopoly and that sort of thing. <laughs> the old but, classic simple games. But it, yeah, I mean it's just one deck of cards and a and a dice. So you could play it at the airport. You could play it, you know, at a variety of different places. Versus... Yeah, it's it's not a whole setup like like Monopoly would be, where you've got your board, you've got yeah. all your pieces and your money to count out. And... Yeah, it's not a whole night. Yeah, of play. Yeah. You, could, you could play around once you know the rules. You could play it within twenty minutes. Or I, so. I, th- yeah. I think it took us a half hour to play, and that was our first round. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah, and I, I, as I recall, you did get the pileated woodpecker. I, I, I won it. Yeah, you did. Just like I and won. Yeah. Right. Ended up winning too. And I, and I won. Oh yeah, yeah. it took. Yeah, it was. It, it was. I the, got my favorite, and the, I won. The particular, uh, the, the particular uh, wood, the, the pileated stayed out for for three whole turns before yeah. it got yeah. back to Eric's yeah. turn. Yeah, it went all and the way around. It didn't fly away. Yeah. Nobody else was able to get it, and Eric snatched it up. As I, as I recall. I went for it because Eric said it wasn't clear. <laughs> so I was really just trying to screw so it. So we can get... But then, then Hannah tried, and, yeah. she, and she didn't roll very good either. So he got he came full I, 
got so that for the so, yeah for the grown up play- <laughs> yeah the the grown up players that might be interested. So, I mean, our goal is educational for eight and up, and kids have a blast playing it as we've we've been lucky enough to see. But for the grown up players, it can get pretty cutthroat. So that's <laughs> yeah. another fun piece that we yeah. think is is for for um, even even people vaguely and sort of in the games and board games and yeah. more uh, non traditional might be an odd word, but non traditional I mean not the fifty two card deck or not mm-hmm. the, yeah. the the classic board games that exist. Um, it still still can be engaging and fun, and and uh, the, there's still the drive to want to get the yeah. birds you want for whatever reason. Yeah, and we talked about the, the sort of gaming renaissance earlier, uh-huh. and I feel like there there's these two spectrums of extreme that you can go as um, as a game designer. You can go for very high, highly complex and intricate games, which reward a lot of strategic thinking and um, Foresight, you know, so you can kind of plan mm-hmm. ahead, plan your turn, and, and manage resources and things. Yeah. And then you have party games like Cards Against Humanity and Apples to Apples, which are like just rock stupid. Anybody could play them. And that's good, <laughs> yeah. right? That's oh, not yeah. a bad They're thing. They're popular games. Yeah. So uh, as a game designer, I have to pick where within that spectrum I want to put, I want to make this game. And given the kinds of people whom are birders, the kinds of people most likely to buy it, and the fact that um, you know, kids play a lot of games, and I want to make it kid friendly. So you could yeah. give it, you could buy it for your grandkids, or play it with your children if you're a parent. Mm-hmm. I I deliberately put the game on the easier or less complex. I don't want to say easy, but yeah. less complex side of the spectrum, so we can get that half hour experience, like yeah. you said, and be done with it. Go have dinner at your barbecue or whatever, yeah. or mm-hmm. like like you said, Hannah, if you're at the airport, you know, it's enough time for a round or two while you're waiting to board. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. something that you can use to, to fill kids' times, and it's educational, and it's fun, and you can just yeah. put it in your pocket and mm-hmm. then, like, pull it out when you, you have... big pockets. <laughs> well, you have big pockets. Like, hey, it's... It's... The cards are actually 8.5 by 11. It's a quite... It's, it's, it's designed yeah. to be... Pl- yeah, but uh, the cards are normal size. But actually, um, it, and talking about different ways to be played, actually, I was... Uh, kind of came across one talking with one of, um, hopefully, our fans, our Kickstarter supporters, that we met at the birding festival today during the vendor expo, and she was saying she asked me, she said, "So can it? Can you be? Can you play it solo?" And I and I thought for a little bit, and I went, "You know, you really could because it really only requires that because um, the game itself is playing against. You're not. I mean, you're competing for birds against other people, but you're not competing. You're not racing them, I guess, in a way. So you don't need yeah. a opponent necessarily. So you could theoretically play through the whole bird deck." And just play for a high score for the given season. You could switch up the seasons for each time you play, and maybe keep a keep track of your highest score for the summer season. Because the birds are gonna the birds are gonna come out. They're gonna do their thing. Well, they're gonna, gonna be roll, roll exactly. They're gonna be dependent flush. on the, yeah. exactly. They're gonna be dependent on the dice rolls that mm-hmm. are involved. So talking with this woman who's a supporter who came and played with us said, "Yeah, you could play a solitaire version of backyard birding." Yeah. Another thing that I. I really liked hearing today as people were visiting our booth was um, how the cards can just kind of be used like flashcards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be mm-hmm. honest, I mean it's photography of birds, so it's it's really you know high high quality images that really let you see the details of plumage and shapes and all that sort of stuff yeah. and the environment that they're in. So you really get a sense of where you could really see this bird. But this woman that I was chatting with said that she uh, is a transplant to the Seattle area. And she she said that she wasn't really familiar with all of the birds that she could go see because I don't remember where she said she was from or if she said but um, we talked about this idea of just using the like take the cards with you on a walk right and just yeah like yeah. flip them out and say what is that and just flip through your cards real quick so it's almost like a an identification book but 
one that fits right in, in your little pocket. Yeah. yeah. So kind of dual use, and I just thought that was kind of a cool, fun way that yeah. people can use the game. In fact, Jeff, you may have even written a blog post for our, our website, www.backyardbirdinggame.com. Um, Is that the bird nerd blog that yeah, people have been, <laughs> been talking about? about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because I mean, Jeff um, mentioned before, Kim's from an adult learning and, and instructional design background, so he, he wrote, uh, wrote a blog post for our, for, our, for our website about how it can be used to teach in different age groups, and that's exactly like the core of, of one of the one of the main uh, reasons we recreated the game is to, to have that educational piece tied to it. And we're glad that we're we're so thrilled and glad and and just ecstatic about the way it's come out so far. Yeah, there's been some of the uh, Audubon Society people who are here. We're really excited about. Yeah, and that's getting, and that's really getting I mean, to share with their little groups yeah. and things. Yeah, because and it's really it's it's. My, I mean, only quote unquote burning for three years, but it's it's been really heartening to get positive feedback from from birders themselves that we've met that have that have found it appropriate to share feedback, and because they can, birders overall can be kind of a kind of a not a harsh crowd, but I mean a very detail oriented and yeah. and crowd. So sure. it's so it's glad to see <laughs> that they can take this for for what it is and, and and see its value and see the the educational opportunities that can come out of it. So that's been for me personally one of the more gratifying things is to get bird people that I that I kind of look up to and admire as a, as a relatively relatively new birder. Um, I, we were speaking with a woman earlier today who said she's only been birding for 10 years and that's sort of considered new. I thought that was kind of funny but um, <laughs> as opposed to being being in your 60s and birding from 13 I guess but so it, it, that's been a really gratifying thing for me personally. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for sitting down with us, and congratulations on getting to the point you're at with your game. And um, you know, good luck with the Kickstarter. And thank you so much. It closes when again? Uh, April twelfth at ten o two a.m. I yeah. believe it's a Sunday. So, yeah. so don't wait until ten o three to donate. That's yeah. right. Don't yeah. wait. So yeah. Get there way before April twelfth if you can. You can just search us again. Visit uh, backyardbirdinggame.com. You can. We're also uh, findable on Facebook. And if you go to Kickstarter itself, you could search backyard birding, and we are the first game that first item that comes up. And okay. hopefully, if yeah. you're listening another year from now, it'll be in your local store. It could be. Yeah. yeah. It could no. be. Yeah, we'll, and we'll put as many a, links as possible in the show. There'll be a dinosaur version out, and it'll be great. We'll be, we'll be <laughs> yeah. backyard birding millionaires. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll point out, too, just before I sign off here, that um, if you're curious about any sort of gameplay or what the game looks like, we have a lot of videos mm-hmm. up on the website Absolutely. and on YouTube. So you can actually see a game uh, being played. If you're, if you're curious about whether or not your kid might be old enough to grasp the rules Absolutely. or if it's the kind of thing that you feel might be fun to play at your, with your, your, uh, your friends or family, check it out. Well, thank you so much, guys, for, for talking with us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Anna. Well, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. It was great <laughs> catching up with them and, and talking to them about birds. Yeah, so thank you guys all for listening to that. That was... Uh... I thought I thought it was fun. I thought it was informative. Um, but, but in general, thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, learn something new. Maybe go out and buy a game or two. Yeah, or at least check it out on Kickstarter. Or at least check it out on Kickstarter, yeah. And also, um, this next episode, we oh, yeah. are going to be between now and at some point, I don't know, end of March. We're going to be in Costa Rica. So While you're listening to this episode, we'll be in Costa Rica. Birding. So definitely check out our social media, our Facebook and our Instagrams, and we'll try to bring you along with us as much as we can. Eric just got a new microphone, so he's going to make tons of bird recordings. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) If I can figure out how to use it. Yeah. And we are super excited because we're going with a group of teenagers as a um, spring break field trip down to Costa Rica for a Spanish class. 
Yeah. So, so it's conversion time. You need to convert them to, to birders. What? Oh, okay. To birders. To birders, good. Yes. Okay. I wasn't Fr- sure. From teenagers to birders. <laughs> That's the conversion we're trying to make here. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. Aye, aye, aye. So... We definitely check out our social media and come along virtually to Costa Rica with us. But like Eric said, you know, thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us. And if you'd like to connect with us, follow us on Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram. Um, Hannah with an H. Hannah with an H. Eric, Eric with a K. K. I also have a Twitter. It's We Go Birding. And I did our... not know that. Yeah. <laughs> Is that one new? <laughs> no. Oh. Used to be Ranger Honeybee. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> and check out our Facebook, Hannah and Eric Go Birding, or email us at Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com. So we look forward to talking with you all next time. 